0: Sometimes you look at it and go, oh, well, the numbers are so small in comparison to the, the grandness of, of mainstream recognition and all the accolades. But ultimately, you know, that's where you're going to get the results. And, and if those people love you and you put the time into them, then they will, they will tell the person next to them. And it will it'll be a chain reaction after that.
1: Welcome to the Being in a Band podcast. I'm your host, Monica Strutt, and I'll be your new band bestie as we deep dive into all things music marketing, PR and strategy, as well as the mindset it takes to succeed in today's modern music industry. I know the highs and lows of being a musician, and I've seen far too many of my talented peers give up on their dreams far too early in their careers. After working for years, both as a musician and professional digital marketer specializing in the music industry, I now help emerging bands break through the glass ceiling and reach the next level in their careers. Let's do this. What is up, guys? And welcome back to the podcast. Today, I am bringing you another amazing amazing epic guest who is just so knowledgeable when it comes to music marketing mindset cultivating a loyal fan base and so much more that guest is Andy Dowling of Australian power metal band Lord now Lord have been around for about 30 years and Andy has been in the band for about half that time they were called something else I believe before he joined they've just released their fifth studio album called Fallen Idols which is available everywhere now and you can also get a physical copy It's got some pretty sick, like, super metal artwork, which I absolutely love. This is such a valuable episode, and I was actually on Andy's podcast. He has a podcast called The Andy Social Podcast, where he talks to a whole bunch of creatives. He's actually got another podcast. I know, he's got two podcasts. That's, like, crazy, called The Self-Starter Podcast, which is an entrepreneurial podcast. But I was on The Andy Social Podcast around about a year ago when I was just starting my business, and we had such a good chat and so it was so nice to catch up and one of the things that really stood out is the way that Andy and Lord really nurture their fan base they are really really involved on a grassroots level in terms of the promo for any release that they put out and they are working with a PR company but you can see from all their social media and all the things that they are doing in terms of promotion for their latest album that they are still so involved as I said and just putting in I guess 110% to make sure that their work gets out there and you can really learn something from that. Before we dive in, this episode is brought to you by my brand new PR course, PR Made Simple. It's essentially a course that teaches local bands how to DIY your own PR campaign to really raise your profile in terms of your positioning in the music industry, start getting reviews, radio play, get on those Spotify playlists, and yeah, just generally get some really cool media traction. So if you're interested, I'll leave it linked below. You can also head to monicastrat.com and go to courses here's the interview. All right guys welcome back to the Being in a Band podcast. I have a very special guest here. I have Andy Dowling of Lord. Welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you very much for having me Monica.
1: No worries. So I would have already done a little intro about you but just for whoever's listening can you introduce yourself and what you do?
0: I'll, I'll try the condensed version because I think every time, Well at least since we've last spoken, I seem to take on new hats and um, I'm a bit of a jack of all trades. But, um, yep, yeah, my name's Andy. I, I mean, probably primarily known as the, the bass player in, in Lord, which is a, a metal, old school heavy metal band that's based out of like Sydney slash Wollongong. And we've been around for, Oh geez, uh, well, probably getting closer to three decades now. And I've been in the band for half of that time and, um, also a podcaster, so I've got a couple of podcasts as well, the Anti Social Podcast and self Starter, and um, yeah, a, a jack of all trades when it comes to uh, you know band life. So we're very DIY. So I've got uh, sort of tour managing, booking agent, merch, uh, merch guy, uh, press and PR, you know, marketing, all that sort of stuff. Um, like to like to wear as many hats as possible.
1: Oh my gosh, I actually didn't realise that Lord had been around for that long—three decades. That's a pretty long time.
0: Yeah, it's um yes yeah, we've got a bit of a legacy now and uh, we're certainly getting getting on in age. I mean uh I think if there anybody that might might know a little bit about the background, um just a really condensed version, uh the band formed in nineteen eighty nine and was called Dungeon and Dungeon was around up until the end of two thousand five and uh made the decision for a number of different reasons, so we won't get into it, but we decided to change the name of the band to Lord and uh since Pretty much the beginning of 2006, we've, uh, we've been lured as a full-fledged band, but uh, more or less the same band all the way through, just with a, a slight tweak to the name <laughs> um, a little while back. But, um,
1: yeah, yeah
0: a, lot of, a lot of history there. But it's, been, it's been a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. Awesome. And you've just released your fifth studio album, which is Fallen Idols. And I was so excited because I was lucky enough to receive a hard copy in the post from you with a little note. And I just think that that is so cool because no one like that doesn't happen hardly ever anymore and it's just so nice to actually get something in the mail with the artwork and to be like so personalized but anyway let's backtrack a little bit it actually charted (laughs) on the ARIA charts so number two on the independent charts was it?
0: Yeah uh, number two on the independents and uh, number 20 on the ARIA so we just scraped into that top 20 which I mean, we were, we were quietly confident that the album would do, would do well um, but we were sort of just thinking well within our circles, but to get, to th- get that kind of, uh, you know, acknowledgement and tip of the hat um, is, is really, really cool and it was completely unexpected. So, yeah, nice little surprise on the first week of, uh, of release.
1: Is there an official way that they actually tell you that you've charted on the ARIA charts or is it just something that you check yourself and you're like, oh, I'm on the ARIA charts. Like, how does that work?
0: Oh, i would love if it was a case that somebody gave us a call and just like a, or a nice official email just to congratulate us but no we um i think it was somebody that was uh like a friend of the band uh, Must i don't know how the hell they found it must must get emails generated or something but they they saw the list in our name had just crept into the into the 20 and um and passed the links around and i we we saw the independent charts first by accident and went oh that's really cool i think maybe they tagged us on facebook and um and then later in the day, someone had actually found the link for the Arias. So um, yeah, so they're really really unusual and and slightly disappointing because we were the only um, artist in the top twenty that didn't have album artwork against our name. So we just had this blank box with the uh, with the name of the band and the album, and everybody else above us had uh, had all their album artwork. But that's funny. And I was thinking, oh guys, surely surely you'd be able to find it. Just Google it. Like two two seconds, you'd find the artwork. I mean, pass it all over the internet. But first world problems I mean the fact that we got into the top 20 I was not going to complain about anything else so it was it was really really cool
1: yeah yeah you'll let that slide this time maybe next time
0: (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) that's awesome I mean it is such a good album like for anyone listening if you are into like old school metal or power metal but with really really good production then you are going to love this album um your vocalist Tim produced it is that right
0: yeah, Tim, uh Tim's sort of been at the the helm of, of the production behind the band almost since day Dot. I mean a right. couple of albums here and there. We've had uh engineers and producers come in to assist, but um Tim's sort of been somebody who has just almost learnt everything himself along the way through trial and error. And uh now he's got his own studio in Wollongong and uh we're all in house and I mean, I, I always joke because I say he's our secret weapon, but he's kind of not secret given that he's the front guy in the band as well. But, um, yep. yeah, all, all produced, engineered by him and, um, yeah, he's, he's done a, he's, I mean, totally biased for me to say it, but he's done a, he's done a fantastic job.
1: Yeah, it sounds freaking awesome. Um, do you, working with, I guess, Tim and other producers, do you think there's advantages to having someone within the band actually producing a record?
0: Um, Look, like anything, there's pros and cons. I think the pros are that somebody has a deep understanding of the music and where it needs to go. They've also got the so the context of where the band's been in the past and and the direction moving forward. So I think that sort of helps. It's 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 difficult sometimes to convey that to somebody who's coming in from the outside. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of vested interest into it. So you want to you want it to be the best that you possibly can. Um, so there's a lot of personal attachment to it, which is which can be really really powerful. Um, the the cons with it, or which I mean, we've we been pretty lucky overall, but I think the con sometimes is that you get a little bit too attached. Um, and personal with it all, and it's hard to be to get a healthy detachment from the music, to look at it objectively, to be able to say this is what it needs to be, this is what's best for the song. Um, and you can sometimes fall into the trap of that. And I think collectively, us as a band, we've we've fallen into that trap because we're we're so hands on with what we do um, that we've sort of come you know butting heads together, and we sort of get swept up in it, or where sometimes. An objective opinion can can make the world a difference, but um, I think Tim sort of learned through trial and error over the years that that objective approach is really really important. And so he will be on the border on the border of having a mental breakdown by the time the album's done. But I think it really takes a lot of effort to to take a step back and go, despite ego and and you know, personal contribution to songs and and the, the meanings behind it and the personal attachments to it what is best for the song, what's best for the album, what's best for the direction of the band and what are the best tools to use and and not uh, trying to put too much bias into those decisions. But it can be, like anything, there's pros and cons either way.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, one thing that definitely comes across is you guys know who you are as a band and you also know who your fan base is. Um, You know, just what I was saying before about, you know, the fact that it was just so nice to actually receive a physical CD in the mail. And I imagine that your fans are the type of people that still love to hold that beautiful piece of artwork in their hand, still like to have the physical copy of something, um, I mean, I see pictures of your CD. I'm seeing them all over social media. So that is really, really cool. How has um, I mean, how has social media, for one thing, played into sort of your overall strategy in terms of building relationships with those with those
0: people? Well, you, you're right, in, in the sense that we 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 know what our sort of key demographic is. Um, you know, I. I don't think we've consciously done it in years gone by, but I think over the years, especially where I've sort of taken more of a step of in, uh, towards further involvement in the band when it comes to this stuff, I've taken and I've like you. I mean, I've, I, I see the stuff that you digest, the information that you you, you you sort of immerse yourself in as far as marketing, social media marketing, and even just uh, you know marketing in a general concept, not just in, in the music world. And I've sort of sat down and thought about what's my stereotypical lord fan like what are the if i'm going to overly unfairly stereotype who they are what what sort of things do they like how old are they what what gender are they typically um where do they normally live and and start to really drill down and there'll always be exceptions to the rule but if you can nail that typical person then it makes it a lot easier to target uh your message and so for me i've sort of looked at that and been really realistic with who, who these people are and use social media to to target it. And that could be something very obvious like, you know, Facebook advertising and things like that. But um, I've always for, for for good or for worse, I've always been heavily involved and interacted with people online. I've always made my made an effort to connect with people and talk with people. And so over the years I've just built a natural sort of network of people all over the world just through travels and the bed. And um I've always made I've always just put myself back into the old school fan uh perspective where when I was growing up and I'd go to an in-store or I'd go to a gig or I'd I'd interact with somebody, whether it be on email or whatever it is, and you'd get some form of acknowledgement, the rush that you would get from that was absolutely fantastic. So I've always made the effort to interact as much as I can with people and social media's been an amazing tool where with you know, within a millisecond you can you can talk to anybody. And I've taken complete advantage of that where I will, you know, it'll be direct messaging. I mean, I could talk for hours about the, the power of direct messaging, which I'm sure that you're well versed in. And uh, I'm sure we both uh, both take a page out of uh, the Lord of Social Media, Gary Vaynerchuk. It all goes um, down in the DMs. It, <laughs> uh, it, it absolutely does. And so a lot of that stuff I I have taken – I've taken a more extensive approach when it comes to to that direct person-to-person relationship. Um, I've realised that, you know, market uh, blanket marketing is, is can be powerful and can be good to to raise brand awareness, and and so social media is powerful where. You can you know post things into into news feeds, you can do boosted posts and things like that if we're just talking about Facebook in particular, but to be able to reach out and talk to people individually as tedious and as time consuming as it can be, um, your return on investment for those interactions is just it's monumental it's it's a game changer and I honestly think that that type of work that tedious unglamorous um, aspect of just going through person after person, just having a chat and saying hello to people, um, for us, got us into into the top 20 for Aria's. So it, it got us into number two in the independents because we just spent so much time just making an effort to say hello to people and just talk to them and just have, a, as best as possible, have a natural conversation, but at the same time, try not to, to hide behind the fact that you know we're we're trying to push something and and we're looking for support, but um trying to do it in a way that makes sense for the person who's receiving the message as well
1: yeah, oh my gosh, there's so much I can take from that but i I mean I was just listening to a podcast actually before we jumped on the call um by this um, entrepreneur called Ruby Lee. She has this own your hustle podcast, and she was yeah. saying that you're not trying to appeal to the masses. You're trying to appeal to the 1% who really, really need to hear your message. I think a lot of bands get kind of caught up in the numbers and they just want to kind of do that blanket marketing to try and reach as many people as possible. Whereas if they actually spend the time and try and nurture the fans that they do have, that kind of ends up converting people to be really, really loyal and lifelong fans instead of kind of having just empty followers, I suppose
0: well a big thing i mean we've seen this quite a bit you know in in topic in discussion over over the past couple of years where you know the the term now coins fomo you know the fear of missing out and you know we see our peers that play in bands we see other musicians and you know they get they they get to jump onto great festivals or they get on a great tour or you know, they've released an album and they're getting a lot of recognition. They're getting mainstream radio support. They're getting all these amazing things and you're so happy for them. But at the same time, it's like, Oh, what, what have we got to do? Like, Oh, well, we're not moving quick enough. Maybe. And you start to look at all the things that you're not doing and you start to then panic. And then that's when all these strategies and all these air quotes to, to take these mass marketing campaigns where this blanket approach, where you're just trying to convert anybody that pays attention to you and We've fallen into this trap quite a bit over the years, and it's um, it's it's a really hard thing it's a psychological hurdle to jump over where you if you can take the pressure off yourself and look and think, I only need a small amount of loyal fans and we call them friends because ultimately most of them are just friends that we've you know, these relationships we've've we've built over the years of, of getting around the place and playing shows but yeah. you know these friends that are an extension of the band I mean they're our marketing team they're the people that will drop money uh, without even hesitating to buy the latest t-shirt, the latest piece of merch, the the latest album, the latest single, or whatever it is. And they're the people that we should be putting all of our time into, making them feel like they're part of the band. They they are directly contributing to us. They are ultimately having an influence on the direction of the music, because if they motivate, they love what we do, it inspires us to continue to put Everything we possibly can into our music, so it's sometimes you look at it and go, "Oh, well, the numbers are so small in comparison to the, the grandness of, of mainstream recognition and all the accolades." But ultimately, you know, that's where you're going to get the results. And, and if those people love you and you put the time into them, then they will. They will tell the person next to them, and it will it'll be a chain reaction after that. The word of mouth is is far more powerful than uh, trying to do some massive mass media campaign where you end up with not a big return on investment because the return on investment is always quite small in those those cases and for a lot of us we don't have a great deal of money so we're out of pocket and with that tiny tiny little tiny return on investment so it's it's um' It, there's a lot of hurdles that people have to get over and musicians we all fall into the trap of looking at our peers and just thinking oh it's you know it's we've, we've got to try and we've got to try and match that we've got to try and uh, stay stay relevant you know to everybody else
1: yeah it's that whole comparison comparisonitis thing and when you do like dump a whole bunch of money or something into facebook ads and it doesn't get the return that you're kind of expecting. I I feel like that kind of, or not even Facebook ads, like there's a lot of bands that will just dump a whole bunch of money into say an album before they're actually ready to put an album out, or maybe their market doesn't even respond that well to albums or something like that. And they get, you know, they spend a lot of money on that and maybe not so much money on the marketing side of things. And that can be so deflating for a band who feel like, you know, if I just have this amazing product or, you know, if I'm going to put all my eggs in this basket, but then they kind of neglect another side of it. That is pretty much the reason why I see a lot of people quitting music, to be honest.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's one of those things where, you know, in those early stages we all, the early stages of, of being in a band and being a musician where you start to um, have opportunities of getting feedback from people. You, you had these grand plans, you dream. I mean, that's, that's, it's usually the fuel that gets started to begin with. We, we've got these grand plans of, of conquering the world and playing on the biggest stages around the world and touring with, with our idols. And we quickly realized that, um, it's not that easy. I mean, you know, every once in a while, the the rare rare moment a band may just get the knock on the door and they'll get a great a great opportunity. But for most of us out there, it's it's a grind. It, and and I think the sooner that people can understand that that journey, that grind along the way, is ultimately in the grand scheme of things far more exciting than that end goal, um, then people will calm down. They'll take the the pressure off themselves. They'll be less overwhelmed, and just really start to enjoy the trial and error of just you know carving out ultimately what will be your legacy down the track, where you you've got your space in the world, and there's more than enough attention to go around that can where you can you can carve out a, a really great career as being a musician and a performer.
1: Yeah, I love that. So, if you were a brand new band, just say you were absolutely completely starting from scratch and you're looking at all these other bands doing amazing things and trying not to be, I guess, not do the whole comparisonitis thing, but you want to build, start building that loyal fan base um, and start nurturing and networking and whatnot. What advice would you have to someone who, yeah, is completely fresh?
0: Oh man, it's it's hard because there's so many there's so many options out there. You know, it's it's one of those things where you look and go. There's all these platforms. Obviously, there's the, there's the tried and tested sort of you know Facebooks and Instagrams at the moment, and and um, no doubt those things will change down the track. But um, when it comes to all these platforms, there's, there's a lot to choose from, and I think I think the probably the biggest thing, the thing that comes to mind is. And you sort of t- touched on it before, where bands may jump the gun and and run for an album or run for and invest all this money into into putting something out to get the product out there a s a p and I think there there needs to be there needs to be a real storyline there needs to be a narrative around what you do there needs to be an identity and i think and it 's not about creating some some form of novelty that 's going to be a flash in the pan it 's about who are. Like, if you're, if you're a solo performer, what's your identity? What's your story? If you're a band, what what is the collect, collective sort of thought around the band? Like, what, why does the band exist? Like, you know, it might just be that you've all got a love of a certain style of music. Then what's the story around that? Where did you guys come from? You know, how did, how did everybody meet? Um, things that can instantly find ways to connect with the potential listener, and I'll call them a prospect, where they'll start to think, I like the sound of this band. Even if I may not have heard them yet, I can relate to them because some of that story is is relatable. And it's it's a very slow process, but you've got to lay the groundwork where people have got a reason to pay attention to you in the first place. Obviously, the music's really important, and you could you could sort of talk and, and lose breath, uh, you know, about how important you know music is in production, songwriting, and all that. And you definitely need to take your time, but I think. More so than ever, the the narrative around what you do and the message and the meaning behind what that band is is just really really important. You've got to cut through the noise and you've got to take your time and um, not be not feel pressured to have massive announcements and tell everybody. Like one thing that I just roll my eyes all the time is, you know, I see good friends of mine do it as well. They go big announcement coming tomorrow. Stay tuned. Uh, Yeah. and in 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 the past, I'd look at it and, and think, "Oh, geez, like I can't wait. Oh, I wonder what it is." And then you look, and it's like, "We're playing in Bendigo some, uh, next weekend or next month." And it's like, "Oh, I'm sure it was big for you guys, and you're really excited." But you know, for everybody else, I don't think they care that much. And maybe even the people in Bendigo don't care that much. They're probably like, "Okay, cool, there's a the local gig on." So it's it's just from, it's having obviously there's there's a perspective there. You got to you got to think about what the other what the potential listener is going to find interesting but you've got to have a story that you've got to have a, a narrative you've got to have something a why behind what you're doing and why you're doing it just so people have got a, a reason to to attach themselves to you so that's one thing I mean I, there's probably a million things that, that I could probably battle off but I think <laughs> laying that groundwork and, the, and that identity and, and the narrative is probably a really really important thing for bands to to consider before they really jump into the, into the deep end and start to trying to, uh, cut through the noise.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I think finding a story as well is probably one of the hardest parts, but it's also so, so important as you, as you were just saying to give a really practical example. Um, and it's, I think it's even harder sometimes when you're a brand new band and maybe you're come to coming together with like four individuals that you haven't really known for very long, but just to give a really practical example to you guys listening for my particular band were called The Last Mata, and we initially bonded over the fact that we'd all studied music at uni, we'd all been doing music for quite a long time and kind of watched a lot of our friends quit music as time goes on and we kind of felt like we were the last people kind of waving the flag, the last people standing and um, so we all kind of like bonded over that and I mean I've brought it up in interviews and whatnot but it also ties in nicely to what I do in my business in terms of like the coaching and whatnot and what I speak about a lot in my blogs and the podcast and everything so that's just a, sort of a little story that we have going on. Um, there's also bands that I've interviewed in the past that are like super like nerdy and like love like alien video games and stuff like that. And that kind of translates more like into their merch and like merch designs and album designs and stuff like that. So d- does Lord have like, I mean, obviously you guys have a really, really rich history, but I mean, what, like if you had to sum up you guys' sort of story in terms of like your brand.
0: Um, it's, well, one thing, just uh, maybe, just to clarify further when, when it comes to story, because I think people sometimes get a bit overwhelmed with even just the, the definition of story. Because we always think about, you know, the, the beginning, middle, and end, or or this, you know, once upon a time there was there was four people and they came together and they did this. Mm-hmm. And you might have a really good background and in, in history amongst everybody in the band that that kind of narrative uh, works, and you've got a really interesting thing. But story can also mean what what are you collectively passionate about? Like what sort of things are out there? And like some you know, there's a lot of bands out there that are quite political and yeah. and they 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 bring in a certain uh, demographic of people because there's certain social topics that they're really passionate about and that works. But that's part of their narrative, that's their story, you know. And it could be like you said, you know, you know a band that's really obsessed with you know uh, you know <laughs> aliens or alien gaming or things like that, you know, or a bit of nerd culture. I mean, that can be part of their story it's also part potentially part of their identity and so you don't you don't have to necessarily think about this intricate storyline where it goes you know in different directions and there's there's structure to it the beginning middle and end and all that it can just be about the story of what what interests you what are your passions what what are you what are you passionate about it could be lyrical themes and it doesn't have to be just one thing either um you don't want to go too crazy and have too many different things but you can you, you have flexibility and I think it's just it's a case of expressing yourself and being genuine and being genuine creates story along the way as well. Um, but for us, uh, look, there's, there's there's several different things that sort of tie in with the band and I guess the overarching thing is is the legacy of the band and where the band came from, being that it was called Dungeon, it formed in 1989, and, um, and Tim... Um, Tim was the the founder of the band and um, he grew up in Broken Hill of all places and that's where the band was created. And so – for people that don't live in Australia and probably actually some people in Australia probably find it fascinating, but especially, you know, we've we've got a great um, fan base in Germany and the Germans love it. They love the Broken Hill stuff. They love the Outback stuff. They love the Mad Max links, you know, just yeah. that's where Mad Max is from. And And a lot of our American listeners also like, they get a kick out of that as well. So there's a bit of novelty around it and something that, there's a bit of a unique aspect to our story that um, maybe not every band can can say so um, there's that that sort of is a bit of an underpinning to the band and its origins a bit of the OG sort of story uh, attached to it but I think as time has moved on um, we've I think we've there's a few there's a few things that we sort of look at I mean we there's another thing where we sort of look at and go, we don't take ourselves personally, but we take the music seriously. And so part of that is a real oh, – this is going to sound really silly, a silly term, but it's a very playful attitude that we have um, when it comes to interacting with people and the way that we present ourselves online, the way that we um, present ourselves on stage, the way that we interact with people at shows, just any form of communication is in a very upbeat and playful sense. We, we, we take the piece, we joke, we have fun and it, we we just – we're we're not ultra-serious about what we do. We interact. However, when we get into the studio, when we write, when we're on stage actually playing our instruments, then that's when we take it seriously. And so we've sort of almost created an identity around that where we're sort of these um, – I don't think we've intentionally done it, but it's naturally sort of going this direction where we've become, in some circles, these lovable guys who are just – idiots in, in a nice way but mm-hmm. can play their instruments and, and produce this great music and so we've been able to build a real like-minded connection with people where they can relate to us because we're not acting high and mighty we're not above them and so that's kind of a big our story as well I mean there's heaps of other things that we do even even like around particular products and I'll, I'll just for the sake of of your <laughs> your podcast I'll refer to our albums as products um you know our 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 last album, our latest album, is is based off story. It's based off a theme. It's based off a thought or an image, and and we've used that to sort of market um, the album so people can understand where it's come from, the why behind it, and hopefully be able to uh, be relatable to people out there as well.
1: Yeah. Speaking of your single kill or be killed the video for that had a lot of fan footage which I think kind of makes it even more relatable in that sense how did you come up with the concept of connecting with your fans in this way or getting them involved in sort of the actual video
0: um I think (laughs) <laughs> we're, we're not always the most strategic of, of thinkers in, in the band. Like we don't sort of sit down and go, okay, this is this is the plan of attack. This is how we're going to do it. But we, we do find that sort of ideas open up and we go, oh, this would be a lot of fun. And then after the fact, we start to see where the links, we, where we can tie it in and make it sound like it all makes sense. But, you know, <laughs> the song "Killer Be Killed is very, out of the album, it's probably one of the more old school sort of, Straight up heavy metal songs Which is like just classic heavy metal lists. It's just it's very like Total Judas Priest worship It's it like unashamedly so And it's just it's a really fun song But it's, it's just a no frills heavy heavy metal Song and When for us when we sort of Think about that type of music we think about The imagery around that which Is no no frills Straight straight up no mucking about Nothing over the top um, and something that's just very organic, genuine, just in your face sort of stuff. And so um, when we did the first show of our tour in Canberra, we noticed that a few people were were filming um, some of the new songs and Kill the Kill was in the set. And so we we kind of thought, you know what, maybe we should just ask people to film parts of the set or at least this song and and we'll just see what comes of it. And then by the end of the tour we or by the end of that last show in the tour we realised what we needed and so we were then getting really specific to people and saying hey if you're going to film can you, can you do this can you look, uh, consider these angles etc oh, so awesome. we had a few things to work with and it was great because each show we were building the footage and starting to piece it together to see where it was going to go um, and it was fun because we were seeing that people were getting really enthusiastic we were telling them that potentially or hopefully it would it would result in a video clip and so people got really passionate about it, and so we got heaps of people uh, filming stuff and sending it over to us, and we, we made sure we credited them all, so they're all contributing, they're all, they've made that video clip happen, and we've ensured that the way that we've compiled it and put it out there has got this really raw, gritty, old-school feel to it, because you know, everyone's using their phones and, and just filming. It's not it's not professional footage. It's not multi cam sort of set uh, setups with dollies and cranes and all that sort of stuff. It's just people in the crowd having fun holding their cameras. So um we've made sure that we've embraced that vibe and done it in a way that's um that doesn't look tacky, it doesn't look cheap, um, but just brings out a real sort of organic uh, feel to the song that, that complements the song for, for what it is. So it's worked out really well and, and people have really, um, really enjoyed it and, uh, and we've got some, like, really connected with it because it's, it's just given that real sort of old-school sort of feel to it.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's super, yeah, organic and you feel like you're in the mosh pit, I suppose, <laughs> when you're watching it, yeah really cool. Um, so I guess onto more of like the business side of things, how is it balancing an active band, two podcasts and a personal life? <laughs> how do you fit everything in? Um,
0: yeah, it's uh, look, I would say it's not easy, but I think after a while you start to just, it's like any, it's like anything you build a tolerance, you know, you get used to things. Um, and one thing that I've, I've learned over the years is that you, you're. It's amazing how much time you have in a day. And you know, going back to our to our friend Gary Vanchuk, I mean, he's he's the guy that just drilled it in for me. Where you know, people would say, you know, I work a nine to five job. You know, I've got I've got kids, I've got a family, and 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 then I've got to try and start my my passion, my business. And he's like, if you got an hour. Have you got 15 minutes? Have you got five minutes to, to make a phone call or to send an email or do something? You know, there's always time. And I've, um, you know, I, I live down or I have been living down the south coast the last several years. And so for me, I do a lot of driving up to Sydney um, just for, for a whole range of different reasons. And so I was finding that my time was getting chewed up in the car. Um, you know, at some, if I was doing a, a day trip up to Sydney, it could be five hours of driving in a car. So, yeah. you know, I'm thinking, man, I'm, I'm losing opportunity here. So what I would do is I would just look at that driving time and think, well, what can I do during this time? Obviously, I've got to keep an eye on the road. But, you know, <laughs> listen to podcasts, taking information, learn things, or sometimes just turn everything off and start to work through things in my head, talk out loud like a crazy person start to work through problems and, and just try to make the most of that time. But what I did find, which was really, really uh, – it's a great lesson that I've learned is that I used to, you know, leave in the morning and, and I'd have an hour or so when I got up in the morning before, you know, getting ready to, to jet off up to Sydney and, and I'd probably have an hour when I got home before I needed to crash out and I realized that that's, that's my go time. That's, that's the time that counts and what can I do? And I found that in those small spaces of time, I got more work done than I ever did when I had all this extra spare time. Mm-hmm. Because you just you realize that it's a, it's a non-negotiable. You you have no choice now, and you have to be intentional. And so I found myself doing all sorts of like techniques and tricks. You know, re- listening to all these podcasts and audio books, and I'd be you know don't before I'm going to bed at night, I'd be writing out my to-do list for the next day to make sure that you know I knew what my day was going to look like. I'd make sure that there was no more than five or six actions on there because. I fell into the trap, you know, for quite some time of putting 20 or 30 tiny little things that make me feel like I'm, I'm having a super productive day when really I was just doing nothing um, and just always thinking about, you know, what's the biggest thing, what's the thing I've been putting off, what's the procrastination point, you know, what's the thing that needs to be addressed so that will make everything else in my day so much easier and all these little techniques and I can waffle on for ages about all the different things that I've tried and, and things that work but it taught me that I have a lot of time in the day and I can make it count. And so for me, you know, I, I, I carve out that time to do a podcast. I, I'll, I'll record something or I'll sit down and, and write out edit notes and show notes, the dreaded show notes, or, you know, fix up the website or, or send emails off for the band or, you know, when it was album time, getting ready for the album or you know, prepping for tour, booking shows, you just, you would find the time and you just, time block and sometimes, you know, if I had a day off at home, um, I would get really anal about it. I'd go, okay, well, I'm up at whatever, five o'clock in the morning, that's when my day's going to kick off and from 5 till 5.30, I'm doing this and then from 5.30 to 6, I'm doing this and, from, and I just keep going throughout the day and my wife would look at me and go, you're crazy, <laughs> but, but at the end of the day, I'd look at her and go, I smashed it. I got it done and I made sure that I had enough variation in the day that I didn't lose uh, momentum. Like I could I could let something go after 15 minutes or after half an hour and move on to the next task and I could come back to it later on. Um, so there's, there's, there's heaps of stuff. I mean, it's something I could talk for ages because it's the real, I've got a real passion for this kind of stuff and, and making the most of time. And um, I guess, that's a very long-winded answer to, to probably a very straightforward question. But <laughs> it's, <laughs> um, it's, 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 a, it's an ongoing challenge, but it's something that I really love and, and I'm finding that there's, there's even more time in the day where I could be doing far more than I'm doing at the moment as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause I guess that's one of the things that a lot of musicians complained about, especially when it comes to social media and not having time to post on social media. I mean, I think part of the problem is they're not really sure what they're doing and that's when a bit of forward planning kind of comes into play. But um, for me, yeah, driving to work, I think a lot of us catch public transport or drive to work. If you're driving, that is like the perfect time to listen to a podcast, like subscribe to, um, you know, podcasts that are going to like upskill you in some way or yeah, just give you some sort of valuable Information such as the anti social podcast or the being an event yeah. podcast.
0: <laughs> um, podcast. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, listen, yeah, listening to podcasts in the morning and then on the drive home. Uh, what I usually do is I, as I'm sure a lot of vocalists, I use my car as like a traveling vocal booth, and that's <laughs> when I do my I mean, I don't like doing warm ups, but when you're sitting in the car and you've got nothing else to do, that's when I do like my vocal warm ups to keep my voice like in check and everything. So, that's how I like make sure I, I get it done. Do you um do you ever schedule social media at all, or is it more sort of organic?
0: Um, I do schedule some of it. Um, I mostly for for the podcast stuff. Um, I have a few little um, uh, what would what would be the best way of explaining. It? I have a few little things that I've like rules that I've created for myself. Where um, if I put out a podcast episode, um, like with Andy Social, I do one a week, and what I'll do is then. When I post the episode, I will also schedule six months worth of Facebook posts for that one episode wow. um, because that's what Facebook will allow you you won't be able to do any more than six months so um, and usually it'll only be like one post per month so it might just be six posts but sometimes if I've got a lot of content on that person, I may um, put like a post schedule a post per week for the six six months and that's that's if I've got the time to do it sometimes I don't have it. Um, so I do, I use scheduling quite a bit for that when it comes to Facebook. Um, I have done it for the band. Um, I have neglected it a little bit, but what I used to do is, um, we've got a, a shared Google calendar where I've put in, um, a lot of the band anniversaries for the releases, all of our releases, um, memorable moments, tours, um, you know, people's birthdays, um, just, little things that are nice little throwback posts. And, yep. and I used to schedule in a lot of that stuff and I do need to get back in and, and do a lot of that stuff again. Um, so I, I do use a little bit of it, but I'm a little, I guess when it comes back to what you said before, where people say, look, I don't, I don't have the time to, to do social media. I think, I think people have to be really honest with themselves and think about how important is social media in their own personal lives. Mm-hmm. And and how much they actually enjoy it themselves personally. And for me, um, for better or for worse, I really enjoy it. Um, I'm a little bit of an attention seeker um, at times, so I love to post. I love to post and talk about things and comment on stuff and interact. And I love, I love that interaction. And so that's my personality. So for me, social media and posting, um, when it comes to the band or the podcast, is it's less of a grind for me because I, I am. I enjoy it, but I also see the bigger picture as to what the potentials are. But if you don't have an initial love of social media anyway, and it's a bit more of a a necessity, but it's just like, I've got a Facebook account and whatever. Like, yeah, I'll I'll scroll through my feed every once in a while and just see what my friends are doing. If if that's all it is, then you have to start looking at it from another angle and think about some of those bigger pictures as to what are the benefits. And a lot of the times we stop ourselves from posting because – we probably just haven't given enough, ourselves enough headspace to think about what we could actually post. I think we sort of – it's its a grind because we just don't know what to post. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, wow. like, well, I've already posted a link to our song. So what else could I do? And, oh, no, nah, this, this social media, stuff's so too hard. And you just leave it go and then there's no post for six months. Yeah, so it's 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 getting intentional. It's planning ahead and the scheduling thing is really good. It can take a lot of pressure off people if they can take an hour out of their day and schedule a, a whole – but ton of posts, then that's that's great. But sometimes it might be a case of just writing down on a scrap piece of paper a whole heap of random ideas, did you know posts, lyrics, pictures from the band, video clips or songs or whatever it is, and you've suddenly got a plethora of, of options that will motivate you to post because you don't have to think about it as much
1: yeah and it's all rinse and repeat as well like once you have a whole bunch of ideas you can i'm sure everyone can sit here if they really thought about it and think of 25 social media ideas it's just maybe you haven't taken the time, but I think even just having that spreadsheet in the Google docs, as you said, and just noting down some of those key dates, even, you know, if you're a newer band, even if you have the key dates of what was the day, I mean, not only that you released a certain video, but what was the day that you filmed a certain video and then maybe you can schedule in some like behind the scenes photos or behind the scenes video or something like that people's birthdays that's five posts right there a year that you've got already sorted so it's something that pretty much
0: anyone can do Um, yeah definitely and it and it comes down to what people's you know um, it comes back to that story again you know what what's your story what are you passionate about and and you don't necessarily have to always post like direct uh you know calls to action to people to say do this do that pay attention to me pay attention to this it's Sometimes it's just, hey, I find this really interesting, I'm going to post. And if you can find a loose link back into the band, then that's great. You know, I, the only thing that I would suggest people try not to do too much of, and we certainly cut back on it because I think it's just, there's so much noise about it now, is memes. Mm-hmm. I think just chill out on the memes, folks. Like, it's, I get it. It's, it, there's some funny stuff out there, some really witty stuff. And I, by all means, definitely, definitely post the odd meme here and there. But, I I think some people's entire social media strategy or social media strategy is just to post memes because they think that's what's going to – they're going to get a viral post out of it yeah. and they think that people are going to pay attention to what they do when it, it just unfortunately doesn't work like that. So um, I think people just need to be really genuine, be authentic, think about what their story is, what they're passionate about, what what are those those interests, what are the themes within their band lyrically, image image-wise or collectively as a group and post about it, talk about it. Put an opinion piece up, put a put a, a note on Facebook or an Insta story. Do a quick little vlog video as cringeworthy as, as as cringeworthy as they can feel at the time. There's there's lots of different things where you can simply just be yourself, and there's more than enough content out there.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think sometimes with those memes, it's kind of a um, yeah, quick attention, sort of grabbing things, kind of like cheap <laughs> cheap likes and follows. It's not really going to unless I mean. I meme, (laughs) Um, there's a way of doing it where like memes are super aligned to your, yeah, your overall story, but they definitely shouldn't be like a major part of your strategy, I suppose.
0: Yeah, you just got to be really intentional about it. And, and unfortunately people sort of just look at something and think people will like this. People will think this is funny and I'm just going to post it. And there's, there's still got to be a little bit of thought put behind it because otherwise it's just not sustainable as you said, it's a it's a it's a quick a quick grab it's a quick grab of attention and you might get a little bit of traffic to your page or to that post if anything um, but it's not sustainable people aren't paying attention to who posted it they're paying attention to the meme um, so if you can if you can find a clever way of, of posting really witty stuff that links back into into a theme or a story or something that makes sense with your bandwidth it actually opens the door to what you do and people discover and learn something through something that's very witty, then absolutely do it. But, um, yeah, I think, I think just some people just lean a little bit too heavy into it and, uh, and maybe years, you know, a few years ago that was completely fine to do because it was still a bit of a novelty. But now um, I think everyone's sort of picked up on it and everyone's sort of copying each other. So it's, um, it's time to find a new tactic
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, in terms of social media presence as well, um, I'd love for you to speak a little bit about building a personal brand alongside your band's sort of profile, because a lot of people, um, a lot of musicians are, I guess, sort of leaning, I find a little bit too much on the band's profile in order to, I guess, get more exposure for their music. Whereas I think personal profiles are just so powerful and your own personal brand, um, is so powerful in kind of, number one, just getting extra exposure but also getting people to know you a bit more. And I feel like that's something that you do really well. Can you speak on that a little bit?
0: Yeah. Um, I think maybe just to premise it and I think for some people get a little bit anxious when they when they hear people talk about this sort of stuff because one thing that uh, a challenge that I've, I've had years ago with our guys in the band is that I I – I just expected that everybody would be equally contributing to every facet of the band as far as, you know, posting on social media, um, promoting things and, and, you know, making sure that they're, you know, they're personable at shows and and interacting with people and being the personality that they are and all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, you're missing out on opportunities. (laughs) And then I realised that... Collectively, as a band, we are we are a, a, a unit, so to speak, with are this collective and, uh, you know, we get this branding and this reputation around the, the, the band itself. But individually, we're all unique people and we've all got different personalities. And so um, not everybody in a band is going to have the drive or the want to to individualise themselves um, a, you know, alongside the band. They may just have the comfort of being able to be a contributor or be part of the band. So I guess maybe just mm-hmm. to premise that because I know sometimes people panic a bit and think that this is the only way that they can be successful. Yeah, um, yeah. But, but I think also with, with personal branding, I mean, it's, and you, you would have heard this before, it's it's reputation because, um, you know, personal branding can sound really wanky at times and people cringe a bit when they hear it, <laughs> but it's ultimately your repu- It's your reputation. It's what people think of you, it's what people say about you when you're not, not around, um, and it's putting your best foot forward. And that can be in anything in life. You know, it's, if you work a job and you've got a boss, you know, it's, it's your personal branding to your boss. It's the reputation that you're reliable and, and your boss respects you and et cetera. So it's, it's anywhere in life. But for us in the band and for myself, uh, I realised that, at some point in time in the future, maybe, maybe the band might not continue. Um, you know, we're all getting on, and you know, we've got lives, and you know, families, and all sorts of stuff, and maybe it's just not sustainable anymore, and maybe there you know, might be a change of heart, and we might want to do different things. And so, for me, I always thought about, well, I really got a lot out of being in a band, and, and, and doing this amazing stuff over the years, but what would life look like without the band? And and I just start to look around and see what are the other things that I'm really passionate about. And you know, a lot of stuff that I've immersed myself in in the last several years or probably in the last decade um, you know, is around you know, the, the marketing of the band and, and being a little bit more band management-esque uh, sort of-esque, um, and embracing a lot of the DIY stuff and learning a lot more about what it takes instead of just being the bass player or just the performer or just the musician. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that extended into later years of the podcasting where I really, like a lot of people now saying podcasting, found a real love of sharing ideas and and putting an an opinion out there and interacting with other people in this really cool, interesting and uh, liberating format. And so for me, I... I always and will continue to lean on the band as as far as part of my identity is concerned, but um, have not shied away from me just stepping out and just saying, "Hey, this is me. This is this is who I am, and these are the things that I love." and And I do it in a way that you know not everybody might uh, find interesting, but you know I do that through podcasts. I do that through uh, my presence on social media and, and I do that at even at shows when it comes to the way that I interact with people at shows. You know, I'm usually the guy that, that hangs around the merch table all night trying to flog CDs and t-shirts, you know, and I'll I'll sit there and, and have a chinwag for everybody there and and I'm just I'm a real hands on person, so I just want to make sure that when whenever somebody talks about me And I get referred to in a conversation that hopefully, in most cases, people have got something relatively positive to say about me. It'll never be perfect, but um, I'm I'm really sort of I want my reputation to be good. So um, there's there's personal um, motivations there just for me to feel good and to. to to have the the respect of others but um you know also think about the future and 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 opening up opportunities where i'm not just the performer i'm not just the metal musician what else can i be and and the more things that i do and the more steps i take outside my comfort zone and you know the more the more crazy uh, adventures adventures i could potentially go on in the future
1: yeah amazing amazing i yeah i completely agree with that and going back to just what you were saying with the preface um i do agree that it doesn't have to be every single band member sort of building this personal brand i don't think that's necessary i mean it's good that it's good if you've got at least a couple of members or maybe just one key member that is that is doing that at the same time but um yeah definitely and i think a lot of us have been caught in the trap in the past of, I guess, leaning on band, our bands too much in terms of our own identity. Like for example, just to use myself, um, but I know others that have been in this position as well. Like when I was in my old band that I was in for six years called Vanity Riots, I um, my whole identity was caught up in, in this one particular band. And then when that band broke up, I literally didn't even know who I was anymore. So it's so important to have other interests and also it just kind of takes that pressure off. I feel like you can enjoy things a little bit more when you have your your hands in a few different pies. What is that saying? Fingers in a few different pies? That's such a weird saying. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: yeah. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know where that came from either, but yeah.
1: <laughs> weird. But, um, yeah, if you, if you can do that and um, sort of have different sort of creative outlets, I think that that's, that's really important just as an individual creator in general.
0: It's it's good it's good for for a healthy mind. I mean yeah. it's it's you know what you said before with, with Danny Wright, it's like it's it's the identity that you carve out. And when especially, you know, when you start out and you're playing in in, in a band and, and you're you know, you've got these big dreams, and you're really excited about the potential, and and you can start to see these opportunities open up. You you're obsessed. You you throw everything you can into it, and yeah. it's, it's it's fantastic. It's it's a great thing because of the enthusiasm there. But you know, you get swept up in the identity. You become known as that person and that person alone, and that's fantastic when things are uh, smooth sailing. But when things stop or they slow down, then that's when it gets it gets a bit scary because people really don't cope well with, with that change. And, and I've had those feelings over the years where I sort of look at it and go, "Man, like, what if what if I'm not in this band? What if I'm not the guy from that band? Like, will people even talk to me? Will people yes. like me?" And you get like these crazy thoughts, but. You, you validated yourself against this image that you've created and and it's it's just a lot of pressure. And so, as you said, like, if you if you develop a number of different interests and you don't have to go crazy and have lots and lots of different things on the go, but, you know, just um, be open-minded to just to try different things and, and if you enjoy other stuff, then put a bit of time into it and just see what happens and it will take so much pressure off you. I think it does a massive... Uh, a massive service for, for mental health, and and I think it will also give musicians more longevity in the game of being a performer and being a musician. You'll you'll hang around longer, and you'll want to hang around longer because a lot of that pressure of, of having to stack up against the rest will will start to ease off a bit, and you'll realise that this is a long game. You know, this is this is not. Can I make it in the next five years? Otherwise, it, you may as well throw the towel in. It's like, how can I make this part of my life? How can I be a musician in twenty years' time, in thirty years' time, and still enjoy it, but in a different way than not what I am now? Um, it's just, it's they're just all psychological hurdles. But um, yeah, it's it's really important to 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 be honest with yourself and try to find other things that can balance out your life.
1: Yeah. So good. Oh my gosh. There's so many different topics. I'm sure I could talk to you about (laughs) haven't even gotten through. Well, I've gotten through most of the questions, but um, how can people find you and follow you and I guess, pick up um, Lord's new album?
0: Yeah, um, uh, well, probably the easiest way So I've got a really wanky website, which is net. I mean, geez, you know, my own domain there. Um, <laughs> and I've, I've created that as, as cringeworthy as it is. I think going back to the personal branding stuff, I think ultimately I can't be, I can't feel ashamed for the things that I feel passionate about. And, you know, the easiest way for people to discover what I do is to know my name. And so, um, you know i've got this website and on on that website there's links to Andy social to my self starter podcast um, to lord and and just sort of takes me in a number of different directions um, from that page um, but people can find me on social media at andy Dowling and uh, and the Lord album new album foreign idols. Um, you can grab it um, on most of the digital platforms. So if you're a streaming person, it's on you know, Spotify, Apple Music, all that sort of stuff. And um, if you want to get an old school CD copy of the album, then you can, uh, we're on Bandcamp, or you can just go to lord.net.au and it's all, it's all on there. But um, as I always say on my podcast, if you get lost, shoot me a dm and i'll i'll uh, I'll hold your hand and direct you to the links
1: (laughs) oh that's awesome and i have a really wanky website as well so don't even worry
0: (laughs) yeah awesome no it's good it's the way to go
1: cool well thank you so much andy it was so good chatting to you um and yeah best of luck with the rest of the uh campaign for the album
0: thank you very much for having me and uh yeah i could have could have chatted for hours so um, i appreciate your time